You know, Wayne, being the oldest of four children, I never had an older sibling to call upon when I got into an altercation. <laughs> it was always just me. Knowing that you have someone else on your side when being challenged is a game changer and a courage booster. Let's talk about this today. All right, we will. Coming up shortly, you'll hear from someone who says he's living the dream because God's got his back while he's fighting cancer. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. I welcome you to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our host is Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And I'm very glad to be with you again today, Percy. This is very exciting to what we're going to talk about. Absolutely. We're going to talk to uh, a first responder today, and we love our first responders, mm -hmm. and we thank them for their service to our community. But he's going to help us to understand his cancer journey and his disposition while on that journey. All right. You're going to open the scriptures to us in a moment. But let me pose a question to our listeners. And then you can read a response to a previous question we've asked here in the program. But here's this week's question. How did knowing that God was on your side encourage you during your most challenging moments? We're going to talk with this gentleman today who said, God's got my back and I'm living the dream. So mm. the question for you, how did knowing that God was on your side encourage you during your most challenging moments? How do you answer? You go to our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on connect and type in your answer and send it off and we'll read every one of them and be thankful for you. So answer that question if you would at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Dot com. Sound like a deal, Percy? That is a deal, and we appreciate the feedback, and I do read them, and actually I pray over them and for all of the individuals who respond to us in that context. So thank you so much. Outstanding. Yeah. I understand you're going to read a response that came from good old Flint, Michigan, the, the place where I was born, lo, those many years ago. <laughs> Absolutely, my friend. And so with that, of course, uh, the question that was asked is, what was something you learned during your cancer journey? What was something that you learned during your cancer journey? And the response from Flint uh, was this, is that I am not my cancer. I may have cancer, but cancer does not have me. In oh, other wow. words, it does not define me. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. And when I read that initially, a shiver went through my yeah, body. Yeah, well, that's profound. It, it really it is. It was. It was because it helped me to really feel the power of this individual understanding that they were not allowing cancer to dictate or define who they were as a child of the living God. And we praise God for that revelation. Do you see that attitude often? You know, many times I do, actually, because, uh, and again, having gone down this pathway now, uh, you, you have a decision and a choice to make in terms of how you internalize that information. And with that being said, um, I had one of my spiritual mentors who told me this one time, he said that if your circumstances or your environment or others uh, can define you, then they can also confine you. Oh, you are good. confined. Yeah, good by how you are defined. And so uh, the person or source that should be giving you definition is your creator. And based upon what he has said about you, then that becomes the working parameters by which you function and operate by. And so therefore, we are not our cancer. We are what God says that we are at the end of the day. And that's a powerful thing. Well, again, I thank you so much for that response. And we look forward to your response to this week's question. Yeah. Healthhopeandinspiration.com. 
All right, uh, that's a website. Take us to a scripture verse, which is far more important. (laughs) For sure, my friend. And so with that, our spiritual nugget is found in the 28th chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to read verses 18 through 20, very familiar passage of scripture, but it will help to establish the parameters of the discussion for the discussion today. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20 is our operative verse, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. Amen. And we're going to hear how this principle is being uh, elocuted by uh, this gentleman who says that God has his back, and therefore it changed his disposition and his dynamics around how he faced and is facing his cancer journey. We'll hear that interview in a moment, but perhaps the most comforting words ever spoken by anyone, the words of Jesus, Mm. Lo, I am with you always. Yes. Cancer Treatment Centers of America is a national oncology network of hospitals and outpatient care centers that treats the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact a member of the team with questions about your diagnostic and treatment options. The number... 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, let's get our dose of inspiration from our guest today. Here's Percy McRae. Well, I'm excited today to have with us another guest, as always, and we have with us Lynn Archer, or Archie, as he is known and called by family and friends. Uh, He has stage four inoperable pancreatic cancer, uh, originally diagnosed August 2018, uh, treating at uh, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Philadelphia, and uh, and is still under active treatment as we speak. And he's going to share his story with us today uh, with regard to the journey and the path. Welcome uh, to the show, Archie. How are you, my friend? Reverend, I'm living a dream every day, brother. Thank you. <laughs> well, praise God for that. And I'm glad to hear that. Um, in our pre-conversation before we started recording, I found out that you were a fireman, or at some point, uh, maybe you still are a fireman. Talk a little bit about being a firefighter. I, I'm, I've, I've never had an opportunity to uh, interview any of our first responders who we love and respect and appreciate. Uh, let's talk a little bit about being a firefighter, then we'll go into your story, my friend. Okay, well, other than marrying my wife, that was the best part of my life. Um, <laughs> I, I started in 1979. Um, everybody on my dad's side was a firefighter, his dad, my dad, and everybody on my mother's side was a New York city cop. Ah. So that'd be one or the other. Uh, and I basically wound up being both. I was a firefighter and I ended my career as a fire investigator, which meant I went out and made, I I had to go through the police academy and I was actually, uh, for lack of a better term, a, a detective went out and solved arson crimes. Okay. Uh, and I was also the canine handler for the city of Richmond, Virginia, which meant I had an arson canine uh, accelerant dog 
she retired with me. Okay. And uh, I've loved, uh, I've been so blessed to have a job that every day for 38 years I woke up and wanted to go to. Yeah. Uh, 32 with Richmond and eight, you know, between Myrtle Beach and other municipalities. But uh, uh, just absolutely blessed to uh, to have that kind of life, the, the job most people only dream about. Um, and I got to do it every single day I woke up. Wow. Well, thank you for uh, your service and to all of the first responders. Uh, we know how hard and tireless, uh, in some cases, uh, and thankless uh, that job can be. So we thank you for your years of service. Let's transition, uh, if you don't mind, and talk about the fact that, uh, of course, in the introduction, uh, you're dealing with uh, pancreatic cancer. Let's talk about the day. Uh, you were first told that you had cancer. Uh, where were you and how did you feel when you first heard that you had cancer, my friend? When I first found out, Reverend, it, it was like it was like a movie. My wife and I, she was in the pool at our house in Richmond before mm-hmm. we moved. And I'd just gotten off work and I walked down the pool and I sat in the, uh, the lounge chair and I, I literally sat there and I said, baby, what do you want to do next? Do you want to go on a vacation? Do you want to work around the house? And at that moment, the phone rang. Uh, it was my doctor, my primary care physician. About a week earlier, I had a colonoscopy, my routine scheduled colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, subsequent to that, the following day, my right leg had swollen up to twice the size of my left. Hmm. I went to the ER, then they sent me for a CT scan, and lo and behold, through all this, they found out a sharp-eyed radiologist found just the very tip of the tumor on my pancreas <laughs> through the CT because they said, you've got a blood clot. Okay. Subsequent to my colonoscopy, so they want to take care of that, and, and, and in so doing, they found just the very tip on the head of my pancreas, and they did a little more investigating. And the, like I said, my, my wife and I are at the pool talking. Mm. What do we want to do with with our retirement? And uh, he called, and I remember him saying, uh, "You know, he just cut to the chase. He said, you have stage four pancreatic cancer.'" And I, I was sitting in the chair. My wife was across the, 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 the pool from it, and she could see the color blanch from my face. Mm. And she said, Lynn, what's the matter? I, I, I couldn't talk. Yeah. Uh, I remember it like it was two seconds ago. How do you tell your wife, the, the, the woman that you've loved for 38 years, that, you know, you've just been handed a death sentence? Yeah. Um, and uh, I struggled to find the words. She came over and held me, and I finally mouthed the words. Um, but it was, it was basically that quick. I mean, he told me, uh, you have stage four, you know, you, you have pancreatic cancer. It was confirmed stage four when I went back for the testing. Um, but uh, he said, I'll call you back. We're making plans for a PET scan now. I'll call you back. Boom, it was that quick. And then Paul and I came, Paul came over and sat next to me and we just held each other and, and we're trying to make sure this was what I really heard. Sure, sure. So it, yeah, obviously that was um, a shocking day, you know, no question about that. And as, yeah. as it yeah. is for anyone that receives that information, uh, you get that call, uh, you, you have to process that. Obviously you and your wife then, you know, come together and huddle as a team. Um, let's talk a little bit about how did you then proceed from there? Obviously you had to, 
look to and toward some type of medical treatment and care? Uh, did you get a couple of opinions? Uh, let's talk a little bit about your process of how you entered into the medical uh, realm with regard to responding to that. Yes, sir. Well, first round, of course, I listened to my primary health physician and they lined up the initial uh, meetings with uh, people in, uh, uh, you know, the, the cancer realm back in back in Richmond. Okay. Um, went and spoke to them. Uh, and then through friends of mine, two friends of mine that I work with in the fire department, uh, they were currently battling cancer, each one of them. And they were current um, uh uh, residents up in CTCA Chicago, oh, okay. they went to the Chicago campus, and they said, "Archie, man, you know we're so sorry you are now part of this brotherhood. Yeah, but listen, you owe it to yourself to get a second opinion. You don't have to go there, but you 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 owe it to yourself to just listen to what they have to say sure. and the treatment plan they can line up for you." So um, I made the phone call, um, mm -hmm. you know, to CTCA, and uh, it was. Uh, Within a week, I was up and I did the three-day visit and met my team, okay. if you would, yeah. uh, Dr. Benia, my chief uh, oncologist, and outlined my case. And I knew more about my cancer in the three days I was with him than in what tra basically transpired was uh, basically a month lapse from the time of my initial notification to getting to Chicago because of all these other follow-ups I had okay. in uh, you know, in, in Virginia, yeah. uh, and, and my deciding to go for a second opinion with CTCA. Okay. Um, and so you start your, your medical plan, um, you get a second opinion, uh, you begin your, your treatment accordingly. Uh, and the thing that ran through my mind as I was listening to you, and I don't know if this is accurate or not. And so you may or may not be able to, uh, help me with this. Has there been a proliferation of, of cancer among first responders and firemen in particular? Yes, sir. Absolutely, uh, Reverend. When I first started this job back in 79, uh, building construction was basically wood, timber, cotton, stuff like that. Uh, houses were built out of primary, those primary materials, but now plastics and derivatives of plastics have arrived. They're lighter. They're more easy to construct with. Uh, they have a lot more uses, but when they burn, they give off such toxic gases and carcinogens that are known to specifically target certain organs in the body. And uh, so in the 30-year realm that I was in the fire service, the uh, the incidences of, of cancer and specific type cancers has definitely risen because of the simply the type of build construction methods and materials that are now used. Yeah, when they, when they burn and break down, they give off such toxic carcinogens uh, it gets ugly real fast. Yeah. Having said that, obviously, then, um, you know, because when you mentioned that you had two uh, uh, fellow firefighters that was currently uh, actively receiving cancer treatment, I wondered if there was a correlation there. So thank you for clarifying uh, that for me. Uh, so as you start your treatment and, and you are still actively treating as we speak, uh, I would have to imagine somewhere in the mix here, because you are, as I understand, a person of faith, uh, when and how did your faith then become engaged uh, in this process, and how important has that been for you mentally and emotionally as you fight this physical fight right now? Oh, Reverend, I got to tell you, from the instant I hung up 
from that very first phone call. Yeah. Um, I knew I, it just firefighters. We, we go in, we handle the incident and then we worry about the aftermath in the aftermath. Does, mm. does that make sense? It does. We go in, we handle what we need to handle and then we'll, everything else will prioritize in, in the, in the long run. <laughs> well, what happened was, uh, I, I, I had a, pretty much an, an immediate peace within me because I did have a, a one-on-one relationship with, with Christ. Okay. I did accept him as my Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only thing that kept my wife and I together for so long. We've had a loving Christian marriage and he's blessed us beyond measure. Amen. Um, but uh, uh, with that said, it was my faith that immediately put my heart at rest and I didn't have anything to, to fear because Christ died for me. So I don't have to be afraid of the grave. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was more afraid of my wife. I wanted to prepare my wife for the future without me. And I just, it's not, it wasn't in making a, a bargain with God. It was more or less asking him, Lord, I know you're getting ready to take me home. This, this, this normally is the, you know, the final way out. Yeah. Um, uh, at the time, um, I was unaware of the, the trials that were available for pancreatic patients. So I said, Lord, just give me time to prepare uh, so my wife will not have to go without while I'm gone. Let me get my stuff squared away. That's all I wanted to do. I said, Father, I want a very good friend of mine, my, my former pastor, a very dear friend of mine, mm-hmm. told me he, when, when we talked about this, he said, Len, just stay out of God's way. Okay. <laughs> Let him do what he needs to do. Keep your heart open. Stay out of his way. Uh, and uh, I, I've always loved that Randy shared that with me. Um, and I, I did just that. I wanted to stay out of his way. And that was my prayer every night. I wanted, I, I asked God, I said, God, Help me live well, but more importantly, help me die well. Prepare my soul wow. to enter your kingdom well. Um, I don't have any regrets. You've been with me. You've been at my side. You've yeah. been my Lord uh, since I accepted you. Uh, and I have no fear. I just want to make sure my wife is going to be okay. And uh, uh, through the course of time, uh, he's done just that. He has continued, uh, Reverend, to, to reap blessings undeserved okay. uh, on top of me. So th- this podcast being one of them, I pray for my phone to ring and somebody ask advice. Um, not that I'm a Dr. Phil or anything, but I do have a certain perspective, yeah. you know, being a cancer survivor and also having, a, you know, a, a very close relationship with my Lord. I think that this is what God wants me to do now. And that, that was my promise to him. I said, Father, we can do this together. Okay. I want to be your vessel. Your words come out of my mouth. That was the deal. Well, and, and with that being said, that certainly is a big part of what this platform is. And that is allowing cancer patients to tell their stories uh, from their perspective and, of course, obviously uh, how their faith is helping and allowing them to work through the day-to-day challenge of of being a cancer patient. And so I thank you and appreciate uh, you answering that that challenge and, and, and stepping and leaning into to that as, as you are doing. That all being said, you know, you're now two years in from a treatment perspective, and and part mm-hmm. of the inter- introduction is that clinically you have been told that this was an inoperable uh, type of cancer. So you're receiving treatment. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? When, in the opening statement, you said you're living the dream. Help someone that may be listening today who may have heard inoperable 
and two years in, and yet you say you're living the dream. Helps one to understand how you, what is the dream that you're living today? Every day I wake up next to the woman I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got promise that, you know, I'm giving you another 24 hours to do something. Yeah. And I pray that uh, I, I do it according to his will. Yeah. Um, uh, th- that is that is most important. Um, but uh, just the promise of another day to live according to God's will and hopefully make an impact. If I can leave this world knowing a, my the studies in my case help just one other person right yeah. um, what better testament that God kept me here for two more years mm. uh, uh, you know and, and me placing my love and trust in him and 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 working through this with the strength of such a strong wonderful wife right um, uh, you know I, I, I wouldn't be here today but but living the dream is just that it's waking up every morning with, uh, you know, air in my lungs and, and an idea of wanting to do something when I shouldn't be here right now. Yeah, yeah. By all accounts, I wouldn't be here by now, you know, anymore. Right. And so with that, you know, because as I hear that, I, I hear this veracity of strength and resolve, and I am excited to hear you. And I know that there's someone who needs to hear that as well. Uh, with the closing minutes that we do have, and I'm so grateful and thankful, and I'm praying for your continued journey, my friend. And again, as you said, one day at a time, uh, as the Lord uh, keeps you. What is uh, what is it that motivates your hope, or what is it that keeps you hopeful? What drives your hope for today and for tomorrow? Knowing where I was, Reverend. I mean. Uh, Death sentence, okay, four to six months, boom, that's it. Uh, and then having God, uh, I know he took me to the abyss, and, and I looked down. Mm. And then he took me back and he said, son, not now. I'm not ready for it yet. Uh, there's more I want you to do uh, and more you need to do, yeah. okay, for me. So uh, I've actually felt and heard his call, um, uh, just a very short short uh, story here, Reverend. I was going, one day I felt real bad. I, I was in a, in a depressive state. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through it. And I was going to go to the DMV, get a handicap sticker, okay, okay. for my for my car. Okay. Because I, I, I had stage four cancer. I was suffering. I needed I needed this plate. Mm. And I was on my way to the DMV. And Reverend Lord heard me. I kid you not. He said, if you want pain, I will give you pain. Hmm. You will not get this. There are people that need those spots. You don't need that spot. You are walking. You're talking. You've got your strength. I am with you. I've got this. Wow. He said, but if you dared, and I, Reverend, I heard this as clear as I'm hearing you right now. He said, I will give you more pain. So he said, you will listen to me. You'll do as I say. Yeah. Okay, because I have this for you. And because I told my wife, I was, I called her on the phone. I said, I'm going to go by the DMV because we had talked about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, I, I got home a lot sooner. And she said, I thought you were going to go to the DMV. And I I, I just shared with her what happened in the car. Yeah. I said, babe, something is happening. Um, wow. I can't do that. God told me no, and I'm not going to do that. I'm listening to him. He's got my back, and we're going to walk this wall. So it was just wow. that. It was that in my face, and it was that uh, positive that uh, from that moment, I knew that I wouldn't be left alone. And whatever happens, God's got my back. And I, what's going? To, what's the worst that happens to me? In a minute, I'm going to be worshiping the King. 
when he I, takes me home. Absolutely. Yeah, we cheated. We you read know? at the end of the book. We know where we end up, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Rev. Well, today you have heard from uh, Lynn Archie Archer, as he is known by friends, uh, a former firefighter. Uh, who worked in, in that field for 30 years, who basically has stage four inoperable uh, pancreatic cancer, diagnosed originally August 2018, and is treating at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, started out at Philadelphia and now is in Atlanta, uh, basically fighting the good fight of faith and living the dream as he has stated. And so we declare that there is no weapon formed against him that shall prosper and that every tongue that rises to judge it shall be condemned because this is his heritage of the Lord. Today, Archie, I bless you and I thank you. Continue to keep the faith, my friend, and continue to let everybody know that the Lord is good. Thank you for your time and thank you for your testimony. My pleasure. My great honor, Reverend. Thank you for your time. All right. Have a great day. Bye. You too, sir. Bye-bye. Percy, I want to talk to you about that interview here in just a moment. But, you know, according to the American Cancer Society, nearly one out of three people in the U.S. will receive a cancer diagnosis during their lifetime. And caring for people living with cancer is a growing need in every church today. So to address this issue, we've developed the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network to equip and empower every Christian leader to better meet this great need. If you are a pastor or a leader in your church or congregation, we want to invite you to join our growing family of informed ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. Joining the network is absolutely free. When you sign up, you'll receive online access to exclusive leaders' resources. There's information about ministry training opportunities, and you'll receive our informative monthly email newsletter. So visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page, and join the Ministry Leaders Network today. Percy, I found Archie's insights very educational regarding associated risk factors for firefighters and cancer due to those materials that they use in buildings that are consumed and burned during a fire. It, it was an interesting set of conversation, and I'm glad that we were able to approach that. Uh, and it was noteworthy for sure. And to further highlight those comments, uh, I thought it'd be important that we read some additional information provided from the news and research website page of the National Fire Protection Association. Okay. And it states this, basically. Uh, and I could not locate the actual date of this publishing, uh, but it reads as follows. Firefighting is a dangerous profession, and a growing body of research and data shows that the contrib contributions that job-related exposures have and chronic illnesses such as cancer and heart disease, the National Institute of, for Occupational Safety and Health, or NIOSH uh, for the acronym, recently undertook two large studies focused on firefighter cancer and concluded that firefighters face a 9% increase in cancer diagnosis hmm. and a 14% increase in cancer-related deaths Goodness. compared to the general population in the U.S., and with that, Wayne, you know, there was a there was tons of other information that uh, we don't have time to read here on the show, but mm -hmm. we're going to place the link to this particular uh, research uh, on the show notes so that people can refer and reference later uh, when they receive the actual show and look online. But I thought it was fascinating and certainly uh, Archie uh, helped us to understand, 
you know, based upon kind of the plastics and the carcinogens that's uh, in the building materials, when they're going in fighting those fires, yeah. uh, they're exposed to those chemicals. Well, when you stop and think about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? It does. It makes perfectly good sense. And I know that there's been recent conversation, even with regard to the first responders uh, from the uh, 9-11 scenario in New York of cancer-related incidents for those firemen that ran into that building uh, to save lives. And so with that, just to understand the dynamic and the association, the correlation with regard to firefighters and cancer, I think is very interesting. Yeah. Before we go any further, can we just say thank you to all these men and women who do what they do? I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, It's not something I would have ever done or ever would want to do, but thankfully God calls some people to do it. Absolutely. Again, we are grateful. Uh, And these are people who basically take their lives in danger every day uh, on behalf of the betterment of our community and our world. So we pause to say a heartfelt thank you and God bless you and your family for your service and your sacrifice. So how did you uh, come across Archie to tell his story? You know, Archie was one of our patients uh, treating at CTCA at Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, you know, we have five sites throughout the U.S., Philadelphia, Chicago, Atlanta, uh, Tulsa and Arizona. And, um, you know, he was brought to me. He was uh, exposed to me by our regional site there. And they said, we think that this guy would really uh, provide some tremendous insight in his story. And he's, he's well, they were wrong. They were yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you listen to him, first and foremost, you just feel power and strength from this man, don't you? Yeah. It, it, he's he, he he comes across as, again, as one who is willing to do whatever is necessary, but a heart of gold. Uh, he talked about his his love for his family and his wife and actually how he was really more concerned uh, for her well-being going forward more so than himself because he was diagnosed mm-hmm. and has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And as we know, pancreatic cancer does not have a high rate of success from a clinical perspective. Uh, and of course, uh, Alex Trebek uh, and others that we are aware of uh, in the news recently dealing with uh, pancreatic cancer. Yeah. But uh, his his overall disposition and his faith in God and how he's like, listen, man, God's got my back. I'm living the dream. And I'm sitting there going, tell me more. You know, I want to <laughs> hear what's driving this mentality at the end of the day after serving you know, 30 plus years in the field of uh, firefighting and inspection and and that sort of thing. How, you know, on the other side of that, you know, he's looking at retirement and and winding things down. And now he has to deal with cancer and how his disposition at the end of the day is. And I think one of the statements that he made that I thought was profound when he said that he asked God to help him to live well, but more importantly, help him to die well Mm. and prepare his soul to enter the kingdom and that he did not have any regrets because he knew ultimately where he was going yeah. and, and where he would end up. So uh, just tremendous, you know, energy and character and, and courage that I heard from this man. Well, he talked about the interruption to his life. I mean, isn't that true that, you know, this kind of diagnosis is just a major interruption to everything we're doing in life? Here he is, you know, making plans with his wife and suddenly yeah. the phone rings and, and the news comes. So yeah, yeah. how we well, respond is so important. Yeah, cancer is an interruption. It doesn't it doesn't wait for an invitation. It just kind of kicks the door in. And yeah. uh, as one who has experienced that, just kind of minding my business. So I thought, you know, bam, uh, cancer just rings the doorbell and says, whoops, here I am. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's really uh, the insidious nature of this disease is that in many cases you don't see it coming. You know, you, you're not you're not thinking per se. Uh, that you will have to deal with this and it will interrupt your life. And then it will really what cancer does, it challenges you 
to reprioritize your life and to really rearrange your life. And those who manage to do that are those who in, in most cases have very good stories to tell. Whether they survive their cancer or not is not necessarily the point. Certainly it is the yeah. goal, yeah. but it is at the end of the day, the fact that they were able to rearrange and, and readjust and, 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 and pivot with regard to the challenges that cancer brings to us mentally, emotionally, and physically. Well, the other thing I thought of in conclusion here is that um, he didn't say it explicitly, but I have the feeling he's probably rescued some people, you know, in his line of work. He's probably rescued some people. And his hope that he expressed was God pulling him back and rescuing him. It's a great observation, I think, Wayne, and I think you're exactly right. And again, given the fact of the, the, the nature of the work that he's done, I'm certain that there's been at least on one occasion where he has rescued someone yeah. from, quote, unquote, a burning fire. Yeah, he'd be too humble and, to talk about it. but Yeah, but and again, I think it helps to align his, his mental uh, association with his relationship with his Heavenly Father, who also has his back and has had his back, using his language, uh, that potentially he is going to rescue him either on this side of eternity, but certainly on the other side of eternity. And he has grounded himself in that principle that as a believer and as a child of God, uh, I have no regrets. And I know that God has me one way or the other. I just need to make sure that my wife is being taken care of. If I should have to prematurely leave this side of earth, uh, that I want to make sure that she's well taken care of, but God's got me, and he's holding me in the hollow of his hand. I was encouraged by yeah, this man's testimony. me too, me too. Well, uh, thinking of that conversation today with Archie, here's the question we'd like to pose to you. How did knowing that God was on your side mm. encourage you during your most challenging moments? I'd love to hear your response to that, and these will be read as you... Uh, I was going to say phone them, and you're not phoning this in. You're going to the website and typing right. in your response. Go to healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on connect and answer the question there for us. And while you're at the website, download our free resource, God is on your side. Yes. No question about it. Lo, I am with you always. Isn't that the scripture you read earlier? So we go right there right now, and we close. Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, or we can say, and even, and in the midst of, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God's got Archie's back, but he also has someone that's listening today He's got your back as well. And so remember, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he'll stick closer than a brother. Today, that's the word of the Lord. Well, thank you for listening. Percy, thank you. We'll talk to you next time. Yes, sir. Remember, we've got work to do. So keep chopping the wood and live your best life. God bless. You've been listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, 
Phoenix and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.